it is so fun. And I do feel like like a Viking blacksmith every time I'm in my studio working that blowtorch. Hi, I'm Anna Reinert, former host of Art Supply Posse. As the founder of the podcast, I have remained a champion for what it has continued to do. My website, The Well-Appointed Desk, is an online resource for all the analog tools you love and is sponsoring Art Supply Posse. The Well-Appointed Desk has recently celebrated its 10-year anniversary with top 10 lists featuring our best recommendations in paper, pens, and pencils. Every week, The Well-Appointed Desk publishes new reviews of all your favorite analog tools and everyone's favorite link love on Wednesdays. Don't forget to check out our shop where you can get all of your favorite coloring, ink testing books, and quirky stationery products, including the Art Supply Posse Sherlock Holmes Pocket Notebook while supplies last. Visit wellappointeddesk.com today. Thanks. Hi, Art Supply Posse. It's Kim. Today I'm bringing you a chat with the artist Murdoch, whose art medium of choice is jewelry. If you'd like to support the posse, head over to patreon.com forward slash art supply posse. One dollar a month is all it takes and in return you'll get a monthly newsletter and the satisfaction of knowing you're helping keep the posse alive. Hello Murdoch, welcome to Art Supply Posse. Thank you so much Kim, I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you, it's my absolute pleasure. So let's get straight to it, straight to the point. Let's let's ask the question that you know is really important to to all these to all these uh, episodes, and that is, who exactly is Murdoch? So I am a a STEM educator by trade. So I would teach things in museums. I would work with other nonprofits, organizations, teaching all sorts of science and engineering and math. Um, there you go. There's a nice filler. And uh, <laughs> and uh, I also worked as a tour guide for a while. I have a background in theater and everything. So, so my hobby has always sort of been I'm a kinesthetic learner. I love doing things hands on. And I have always sort of tinkered with uh, scientific processes at home. And that sort of went into like metal work. It went into... Well, I've always collected stones. I'm a huge nerd. Uh, <laughs> sort of goes along with working in museums and science. Uh, so I just started combining them. It was always my hobby. And then I started an Instagram. I was like, maybe other people want to see this too. And uh, then I just got encouraged right when the pandemic started and quarantine. I was like, well, all right, let's just turn this into a business and see where it goes. So that's basically my whole life story right there on a platter <laughs> <laughs> so if you've always played around with these kinds of things you know particularly you were saying that you know metals and that sort of stuff what is it that sort of why do you think that is like what is it about those type of materials that calls to you as such I think I really like stones and metal because Metal is such an interesting, it, you can do so many chemical processes with metal and they, 
you know, depending on how you work with it, it does different things. And I think that's always called to me. I also just really like to wear jewelry. So mm -hmm. I think that stems back also, uh, my mom always like, uh, back in the day, she had this box of beads and, you know, sometimes we would just go and make jewelry together. And I really enjoyed that. Um, and I, and I'm not sure I, I, you know, my family, we grew up and we would go to all the museums. Natural history museums have always been my favorite. Um, such a rock town. Like my sibling and I, we would always go like straight to the rocks and minerals section, the gems and minerals. That was our favorite part. Uh, when I worked, uh, I actually interned at the Smithsonian's National Museum of Natural History in college. And I just loved looking at the Hope Diamond. I know it's cursed, but it was still pretty cool. Uh, so so cool. I, <laughs> Yeah, right. So it's just, it's literally always been there for you kind of thing. Yeah, I think metal I started getting into a little bit later just because it is a more expensive material and it's a little bit, you have to use sharp tools, which probably yep. my my parents would not be cool with me have playing with as a kid. So that's something I got into as an adult and uh, I would take classes at local art centers to learn a little bit more, you know, get into soldering and things like that when you're working with blow torches. I just was not comfortable learning that by myself. So I would have someone, I needed someone to teach me so that I didn't, you know, burn off my eyebrows. Yeah, I'm glad you did that. That sounds to me like the right way around it instead of just, I'll just see what happens. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I definitely suggest if you're interested in in like making jewelry or learning metalwork in particular, uh, that you certainly go and and take a class from a professional who will teach you how to do it because it can be dangerous um, and a little bit scary, but it is so fun and I do feel like like a Viking blacksmith every time I'm in my studio working that blowtorch. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really cool, actually. So thinking of your studio, like, can you kind of describe? what your studio is like because of course a lot of the people I've spoken to are working with paints uh and things like that or fiber perhaps or you know materials as in like for sewing and things but you're our first person that's worked with well I think with let's work with metal unless someone hasn't told me you know it's possible metal and gems so what is the studio of Murdoch like because I think I think I need to see that. I need to see that in my mind. Like, what does it look like? Is it is it inside in your home? Have you got somewhere you go to? Is it in your backyard? Like, what what's the studio? Tell us what your studio is like. <laughs> um, complete and utter chaos. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I did start this like right when quarantine hit. I sort of made do my studio in my house. So I have actually taken over two rooms in my house. I have a guest room slash indoor studio where I can keep nice and toasty. And that's where I do a lot of like my uh, wire wrapping or just like the the final touches where I don't have to be working with more hazardous materials. And then I we redid our garage and I I claimed the garage for myself. <laughs> Uh, my, my husband my husband is also an artist, but he had no choice. The, the garage <laughs> became mine. Um, <laughs> so I, I set up uh, I set my garage looks like I have a soldering station. I have an electroforming station. Um, and I have sort of just like a, a catch all. Here's a lot of rocks station. I'm not quite <laughs> ready to touch them yet, but it seems like a waste to sort them and put them away. 
So. Oh yeah, absolutely. You couldn't, you shouldn't do that because you never know when one of them might catch your eye and suddenly there's a whole new piece. So no, totally agree. Giving you permission to keep that there. <laughs> exactly. It has nothing to do with me being way too lazy to sort all of my rocks the way that I would like to sort them, which is by type, nope. but I nope. have too many types. But how would I do that? Yeah, no, you wouldn't. You can't. <laughs> So that sounds that sounds like an amazing space, and I love that you have taken over two places. That to me is, is perfect. You've got indoors when you need to be indoors, and outside when you need to be out. I think that's fantastic. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, it's especially important because uh, so I recently started an uh, electroforming, which mm-hmm. is when you uh, or electroplating, depending. So it's either you put in something that's already metal, and then you plate it with a different metal, or you paint something that's non-conductive with a conductive paint, like graphite paint, and then mm-hmm. you put it in a cop- copper sulfate solution, and then uh, it will actually, copper will plate onto the graphite paint. So for instance, like if I use epoxy resin uh, clay to make some sort of setting, like mm-hmm. intricate setting, and then I could paint it, and then I could plate it with metal. But it's really important that I work in a garage because recently I... <laughs> Unknowing to me, uh, accidentally put in a stone that made a noxious gas. So, oh. so <laughs> yeah, I always have ventilation fans, wearing masks, etc., wearing gloves when you're working with these materials. Um, my dad is a chemist, and I told him, I was like, hmm, I put this, like, lapis stone, and it turned brown. I guess the lapis had copper. He's like, no, the lapis doesn't have copper. It has sulfur, and you made a noxious gas. <laughs> <laughs> That's exciting. Um, I was fine. Everyone's fine. No one died. Uh, but, you know, it's always fun scientific processes and things that you learn and you're like, well, crap. I'm yeah. so glad I, I do not do that inside my house where I'm the glad. living are. Yes. So it sounds to me like what you're doing there is creating beautiful jewellery but also discovering scientific things that you didn't know prior. So this is good. This is fantastic. You're you're learning whilst you're creating and whilst you're, you know, making your business. So this is good. I like I like it. That's fantastic. Well, thank you. I, I mean, my business is called Murdoch's Method. It is, it is inspired by the scientific method because, you know, I love science. And so I do, I mean, that's part of the, process that I love so much about metalwork and stonework is that I learned so much about science and chemistry was always my weakest subject which is hilarious because both of my parents are chemists <laughs> and and uh, and so I love it's really nice because I can always like call my dad if I have a question I'm like hey what do you think would happen if I did x y and z uh, and so uh, and he's always great and it's great to have like input um and it's really nice to have them feel involved as well, even though they're so far away right now and we can't see each other. So it's been like a, a nice bonding experience too. Yeah, that's really cool. A lot of people wouldn't have that access too. So that's nice that you can literally just pick up the phone. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, it was nice too in high school because he helped me pass chemistry. So Nice. Even better. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, I was absolutely great. Good work, Dad. <laughs> So let's think about a new jewellery collection. Let's say, you know, you decide to to make a new collection. Where, where do you get inspiration for a, a new collection? So it's been really interesting because when I first started, or before I started even, I was collecting materials. So I live in uh, near Seattle, 
and I lived near the uh, the Puget Sound, and I would mm -hmm. comb the beach, and I would find cool things on the beach, or any beach I'd go to, I would find cool stones, or glass, or shells, and I was collecting things for myself there, but it's mm -hmm. been a really interesting experience now being everything's online, and having to source everything online, and I spend way too much time on Etsy looking at gem sellers. <laughs> so what I do, a lot of my inspiration is based off of, I, I don't buy stones for the type of stone they are. I will mm -hmm. literally spend hours scrolling through Etsy, other like gem sellers or small shops that just sell stones. And I mm -hmm. will pick stones based on that I think look cool. Um, yep. Or stones that I've worked with before that I know, you know, can safely go in the electroformer. Um, <laughs> They don't create a noxious gas. Um, so I, so that's sort of where I get my inspiration is I just buy pieces I think look cool and then I tinker with them, uh, in my studio and I'm like, how can I combine these or what sort of setting could I create for this that would really showcase the stone itself? Yeah. 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 And, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm often inspired too by, uh, the scenery here in the Pacific Northwest. It's gorgeous. I love nature. Uh, I'm also inspired by like spooky things and I love, like, I love skulls and, and, and creepy things. And I like to incorporate that also into my work if I can. Yep. So, uh, that's sort of, you know, where, where I get a lot of my inspiration. Yeah, cool. I'm a terrible planner, awful <laughs> planner. I like to just like improvise seat of my pants. Like what looks good? What do I have? So that is basically my process. Yeah, but it works for you. And I think that's the one thing we all need to remember. Like I know, you know, people will say, oh, I, I plan and everything I do, I have to plan it out before and I have to have everything. And then there are people like you who don't, they just fly by the set of their pants. And people, you often say, oh, I wish I was the opposite of what I am. But I think, I think if it's a thing you've always done, if you've always done whatever it is or you've lived your life that way, that clearly works for you. Yeah, you've gotten to this point. I mean, look at you. You've got a business and it's working. So it works for you. And I think a lot of people sort of tend to think, oh, maybe I should try the other way. Okay, try it maybe if you want to. But don't be surprised if it doesn't fit and it doesn't work because I think we all sort of, I think a lot of it's unconscious. You know, we just sort of that's how we are with everything else in our life and I guess that's probably what works best for us. Absolutely. And I, I love, you know, working in a community of artisans as well. Uh, especially via social media and uh, you know people just talk about like I just tried this and I sort of threw something at a wall to see what stuck yeah. and I was you know you, you see the cool things that people create you know sort of by like accident I guess not really accident because that's their creative process and I love seeing that uh, it's really cool to see how other people's brains work um, yeah. I was a psych I should mention I was a psychology major so I think brains oh. are really cool nice yeah <laughs> Yeah, it is though, you're right. It's fascinating to see how because like you could be surrounded by 50 other people who do the same sort of thing you do but every single person's take on it is completely different and that's that's the really cool thing I think about art in general. It's just like we're all different. Yeah, and I and I love that so much. And I think, uh, you know, making jewellery is great or other like very hands-on type art where you can sort of just start lots of projects. It's great. I have ADHD and making jewellery is Perfect. I always have something to fiddle with. I can start as many new projects as I want and then come back and finish them later. So it's perfect. Or slash like, like the absolute curse <laughs> of, of having 
un almost unlimited, you know, material or, or time, I guess, to, to make and start new projects. It's, uh, it's, it's a great medium for people with ADHD, I have to say it. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad to know because I'm sure there are people that don't know that and now they do and they might go, oh, look, I might give that a try. You just never know. <laughs> yeah, so and I, I think that's true for a lot of art as well. A lot of creative people I know have ADHD like me. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So tell me, let's say, let's say we don't exist in a COVID world. Would you be able to still go out and about and collect materials to use in your art? Or are you now, or is it just all strictly buying from an, you know, from sell gem sellers and the like on Etsy and, and online? Or do you, or do you, you know, is there someone local that even sells? Like, what sort of your process with that? If if COVID wasn't a thing, you know, if they, we weren't under any kind of restrictions, or would you just stick to just going online and doing it that way? I have always dreamed. So I work a lot with not only polished cabochons, but I really love working with rough stone mm -hmm. and rough gemstone. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I really want to go out and actually mine for these things. And there's a lot of different places around the state where you can mine for these fossils or gemstones. Uh, and I would love to be able to go and collect my own things and forge my own things, like get geodes of my own to yeah. to crack and they absolutely that would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, and I would love to be able to do that. Uh, so just right now is just not a super possibility. It's just because no. travel is a little bit hard, but yeah, I would a hundred percent. Yeah, and Washington, uh, where I live, uh, I'm sure it has a lot of native rocks that would be really really cool um mm -hmm. to to sort of see if there's if there is somewhere to go and, and of course i haven't really looked into this because i started this right at the beginning of covid so we'll see what happens yeah the future you know, we'll be fine when i can find yeah. yeah when i can crawl out of my hovel yeah. um, and sort of look around like, oh what are the possibilities here that would be great well so, yeah when international travel becomes available again we have some really cool places in australia where you can go looking for for stones and, and collecting stones and things too so you know we, we'd love to have you here you can come check out some of the cool stuff we have we have opals and a few other bits and pieces as well of course so yeah no there's some oh we, i went to uh kubapedi i don't know if you've heard of it before it's like literally in the middle of australia um with my husband a few years ago and they all live underground or most of it's underground because it's so hot, like it's the middle of the desert and, you know, it gets really, really hot. And, oh, we went and visited some of the opal mines and, wow, that's, wow. You look around and you could see why because they talk about it being like, you know, when the not like, kind of like I guess in the same regards as what they used to say about the gold rush, the same sort of thing applies to, you know, opals and other and other gems. And, and they would call it a sickness, like an opal sickness. And I could understand why, like looking around and seeing the walls of these caves with lines of opal in them, you kind of go, yeah, I reckon I'd get addicted to this too. Like <laughs> it's just amazing. I I bet. I've seen it on like National Geographic shows. It looks so cool. I love opals. I think Australian opals are gorgeous. I completely understand opal sickness. I have it. Um, I've actually started really focusing on opals and working with raw opals. Uh, I'm an October baby. Yep. So, you know, it's my birthstone. 
or one of them, but it also, I love opals because the scientific uh, background of opals is that they're like layers and layers of uh, mineral silicates that have collected over thousands of years. You know, these opals are probably, they, they collect in the, the cracks of other rocks. Right. Yep. So as you have this mineral silicate sort of building up in these cracks and then over time, they become what we know as opals. Mm -hmm. And so that's why, you know, the opals shine so so differently in the light. They have all these different colors because depending on the temperature or the type of mineral silicate or et cetera, that's it shines a different color. So you have these like they're all these little basically balls of, of different deposits sort of stuck together. And that's why the opal looks like it does. So it's basically like you're wearing dinosaurs yeah. almost, right? Yeah. yeah so that's, that's what I love about opals. I, and another really cool fact about opals is that they actually dry up over like long periods of time. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> if you're going to buy an opal necklace from me, it's not going to dry up. Um, but, you know, they have opened up uh, Egyptian tombs and they found all these like weird black rocks and they're like, what is this? Uh, and then it wasn't until they like they put them in to figure out like what uh, material they are. They figure out they were opals. They just dried up. Wow. Uh, so, wow. yeah, I mean, they have like they're pretty cool. And opals are also interesting. I mean, you mentioned the opal sickness and uh they there's a lot of lore around opals being like what is good luck and what is bad luck and it's really fascinating that opals are like you have to get them in the right circumstance or it is very bad luck um but other you know other cultures or over time other myths would say that they are the best of luck things yeah. so i just these things like that's why i love stones there's always so much lore around different types of stone and i think it's so interesting it is it is fascinating yeah i've looked into a little bit of it in the past and like with jade how jade is you know with with uh, tends to be the asian market specifically that you know have have their own um laws and myths and things surrounding jade and the different colors available in that and it's just yeah, it's just, it's an amazing, it's a whole other world that you can sort of deep dive into and, and, and that's not even taking into account what you're saying and the actual, like the scientific background behind it too. So there's just so much in this one material. Like it's fantastic. It's just an amazing, amazing sort of thing, which I think a lot of people probably don't tend to think about, right? Like, you know, someone will go shopping for, for something, a new necklace or a ring or something and they'll, they'll buy it, I assume, based off, the shape or the colour or, or sort of whatever, but there is all this whole other world sitting behind that particular that particular gem too and, and metal, which is really kind of cool. A hundred percent. Like that's why I've, uh, you know, I try to strive away from cultural appropriation and talking about myths that aren't my own, but I do really like talking about the scientific background of a stone because I'm learning it the same time that you guys are learning it. Yeah. So when I'm sharing it, it's I've, I've re when I started working with the stone, I've researched it. Yeah. So I'm sharing my, my scientific knowledge because I never had time to take geology in college because I was uh, doing psychology and they, the labs would always overlap. So it's really fun for me. I get to learn a lot about stones as I'm working with them. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's so cool that you're sharing that with people too because, you know, people might want to learn or they might not, but if they do, well, it's presented right there for them and it's got your experience of the maker tied in with it and I think that kind of just adds that extra layer of, um, you know, specialness to it that 
not only is it a beautiful piece that's been made by a person, but then she's also sharing what she's learnt about that material, and I just think that's really cool. Well, thank you. I try to do it in a fun way. Yeah. I'm really into puns. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it comes from a background as a STEM educator. I, like, can't help myself. So <laughs> That's good. It's not a problem. So what do you, like, what's your process for actually designing a new piece? So let's say, you know, you want to design a, I don't know, a new ring, for example. Like, how do, how do you go about that? Do you sit down with pen, a pencil and paper and, you know, sort of sketch out ideas and then maybe or do you go, do it on a device first, like an iPad or whatever, or are you just literally getting something that catches your eye and then trying to make it work as a piece, as a, as a, as a ring, for example? Yes, that one. <laughs> uh, I... I, I feel like like planning. I I've tried planning before, and I'll sketch out an idea. This was especially true when I was working on my wire wrapping. So I was doing mm-hmm. wire wrapped letters, and I would draw out, yeah, uh, you know, using one line how I could make a word, usually a swear word, out of one piece of wire. Yep. So I would have to draw it out to see where I would turn the wire and connect the wire to make a word. Yep. Um, and I I hated doing that. So. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm really into swear words. I'm just really not into planning. Yeah. So <laughs> I, yeah, I, I was like, I couldn't handle it. So what I do is, yeah, I just have a lot of, of unfinished pieces or things I've started. And a lot of times just me sitting down and, and, and physically taking it and seeing if I can connect it to something else to make something cool. Yeah. Uh, so that that is basically what I do. There's absolutely no planning. I think a lot of it also, um, I'll throw out ideas on Instagram that I have or a one-off piece that I've made and I'll see if people like it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. I thought it was cool too, but now it's you, you guys, y'all have confirmed that it is it is pretty tight, so I'm going to continue on this this trend. Yeah, and that makes sense because at the end of the day, you are a business, and you you know you've got to be you you need income to be able to continue to sustain a business. So that makes sense. Like you do want to know that you can sell these pieces. Yeah, and I think a lot of it too. You know, I never intended when I started right before quarantine. I never intended for for this to be a full time business. I always just wanted to sell. You know, on at the various craft fair. Uh, so I I I've missed getting that. Feed, that instant feedback you would get from interacting with people at a show. Yes. So, you know, and then so sometimes I'm in my office and I have like all this stock that I'm creating and I'm like, I should see if people will actually buy this before I continue making this because <laughs> I I have I, I'm so removed from other people at this point that I don't actually know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's good, but I'm biased. Yeah, of course. So, of course. So I'm curious to know then if it is if it is designed done in that way like this the fly by the city pants kind of thing is there much wastage for want of a better description like do you have a lot of do you find yourself able to make most designs work out or is there just a lot of stuff or not a lot but even is it is do things just get abandoned like you just can't turn that wire into a thing or that particular metal can't be used for that and it just just goes by the wayside like is that something at all that happens or is it you can pretty much due to the nature of the materials you're using just use it for something else so i think with wire uh i i mean certainly things get 
wasted well we recycle them yeah so. yeah yeah it is yeah. metal <laughs> yeah okay so i i would yeah there's there comes to a point where you just can't work a material anymore and you're like all right i i can't use this piece but i'm also notorious like i said like i'm living in chaos i'm living in clutter and <laughs> quarantine life my friend <laughs> and I, I i i do this thing where i like you know uh, a lot of times you're working with wire, you'll cut it off. You you always make it a little bit longer so you have pieces to work with. And then, so I'll cut off the end. I'm like, I'll use that later. I totally never use it later. Yeah. It just falls on my floor. And my <laughs> my studio is just, I have to wear shoes in there because it's just all these little wire bits. I'm like, oh, I can't get rid of them though. What if I need that? <laughs> uh, so that is, that's sort of like what it's like. I, I will always use a gemstone though. Like if I have messed up a setting, um, I will scrap wire obviously before I scrap a gemstone because the wire is recyclable and the gemstone yeah, is not. So, of course. So, do you have like, like a grail gemstone that for whatever reason you haven't, haven't, you know, used it yet, whether that's due to money or just big, just time and availability, like that you would really love to work with? And if you do, what is it? I do. It's called amylite. And amylite is basically a fossilized opal. So it's, it has a similar quality as an opal, but it's made from like fossilized seashells. And it's gorgeous. And the reason I've never worked with this, it is, it is exceedingly expensive. It's very rare. There's only one place in Canada that actually like one place that uh, mines it commercially. Wow. So yeah, it is so beautiful though, and I highly suggest everyone check it out. Um, the the metals that I work with, so I work with brass. I work with I work with mostly with brass and copper because I believe that I want my jewelry to be affordable and accessible. Mm -hmm. um, so I work with sort of less expensive materials so that I can sell at a lower price. Yep. Um, but so. I don't usually, I, I find it hard, unless I'm working with sterling silver, to use a very expensive gemstone. I find it hard to qualify pairing, you know, a $50 gemstone just by itself yeah. for me to purchase at wholesale yeah. price. Yes, yeah. And then, you know, surround it, surround it with jeweler's brass. There's <laughs> a little bit of a disconnect there. Yeah. Uh, so I, I feel like I wouldn't do it justice in that way. But at the same time, I do feel like less expensive stones um, in less expensive metals can be just as beautiful. And I think they should also be celebrated. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. Completely, yeah. Agree. Completely agree. And you know, it's a whole other, it's a whole other subject, really, for not for today. But you know, and then you think about the whole marketing of why diamonds are considered what they are. You know, is the perfect example. And you just kind of want to go, mm, yeah, they're not really. I mean, they're stunning, they're beautiful, but they're not necessarily the the uh, the rarity that you know, or the whatever that we've all been led to believe. But that's another that's another day, another podcast, a marketing podcast, perhaps. But <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think I think a lot more attention and uh, should be given to the way less expensive gems because they can be just as beautiful. I think it's how they're displayed, how they're you know how they're set. A hundred and ten percent, and I think this is. I completely agree. I think this is one of the reasons I like working a lot with jaspers and agates too, mm -hmm. which are generally 
less expensive stones, but there's so many variations of agates and jaspers and they're so gorgeous and they're just so cool. I I just love, and and I just love to celebrate them. And I think a lot of people overlook them. They're like, oh, jaspers so common. Like, yeah, but look at it. It's amazing. So yeah, definitely. That's, you know, that's coming from the rock pound in me. And I think a lot of me is just trying to push a lot of, you know, quote unquote, lesser known stones mm-hmm. as well just because they're not the stones that you would find in high-end jewelry right yeah. they're not the sapphires rubies diamonds yeah. um but i think that they're just as pretty and they would fit a lot of aesthetics and i feel like i just want to i just want to hoard all stones basically <laughs> <laughs> is the issue i think my the hardest thing about making jewelry especially with stones is that I can't hoard them all. <laughs> no. <laughs> I do I do eventually have to sell some. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Yep, definitely. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you for the reminder. It's very important for people to continue to remind me, like, no, you can't you know, you slap the hand away. You have to you have to sell some of them. Look, I can remind you every month if you like. Like I can just send you a message and go, Hey Maddox, just letting you know it's time to sell some more stuff. <laughs> It's very true. But, you know, I get a lot of joy from um, when I do put a favorite stone of mine, um, like even that particular stone, not just the type, but I've found this really special stone and I've I've put it up for sale. And when someone notices how cool it is and, you know, and, and buys it and is going to treasure it, I do really, I love that as well Absolutely. because that's really special. Yeah. Well, they're wearing your art, which is really cool. Yeah. And and they're wearing nature's art as well, yep. which is super cool. Yep. So if I could click my fingers and the result of that would be that there was only one type of gemstone available in the whole wide world, what would you want it to be? This is such a hard question. <laughs> this this reminds me of the question of if you could only eat one more food in your life, <laughs> what would it be? Yeah. And <laughs> my my answer to that is that I would pick um, omelet because you can put anything in an omelet. So really, I'm giving myself endless food. <laughs> so on that, <laughs> um, so with that being said, I would pick jasper mm-hmm. because there's so many different types of jasper. Yes. So really, I'm really, you know, I'm I'm like uh, the loophole. I like yep. to find the loophole in that in that yep. question. Yeah, um, that's a that's a great. Yeah, it's a great first date question. I suggest everyone listening to ask their first date this question. <laughs> it's really. Tells a lot about a person. It does, yes, yeah, indeed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so let's say you know somebody's uh, decided to go and check out your work, and they've found something that they like, but they perhaps like. Do you do you take commissions? Do you work with people to sort of maybe change up one thing into a slightly different color or a different variant? Is that something you've done or you do? Well, it sometimes will be hard because of I'm working with individual stones, but I do, obviously, if someone wants a different chain length or if they want something similar, I can totally try to uh, emulate that. And I have done that in the past. Um, you know, sometimes I do, I work a lot with other artists. So I actually started this whole artist community on Instagram and I do a lot of artist trades with other artisans. Yep. Um, so 
you know, sometimes we'll be, I'll just, if we're doing a trade of something, I'll be like, what's your favorite type of stone? And then I'll find that stone because believe me, I have enough stones. <laughs> I probably have it. And, uh, and then I will, you know, I'll, I'll make them something that reminds me of their aesthetic that I've seen yeah. on Instagram. So in a way I, I, I do that. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to it. They could totally reach out to me. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So then likewise, like let's say someone has got inspired and they'd like to try this for themselves. Like you did say, obviously, take a metalworking course if you can, but like are there any other tips or any hints or suggestions you could offer someone that's become inspired after, you know, listening to this episode? Absolutely. I think that the... The biggest tip to give when you're working with metal or you're just starting with jewelry is start with a brass and copper wire. They are uh, they're very affordable and especially copper. Definitely start with copper wire. Um, learn how to bend wire. Uh, get some nice loops. Uh, learn get familiar with very, like your simple tools that you'll need, like different types of pliers, um, and then just sort of play around with wire and see how it works and. Uh, you don't even have to start with soldering. You can make jewelry uh, wire wrapping. Yeah. And a lot of artists do the wire wrapped jewelry. Um, and I even incorporate it, you know, in a lot of my work as well. So I would say like, that's definitely the best place to start, you know, practice with beads. You don't have to buy stone beads to start with, but mm -hmm. see what you can do with just, you know, the beads. If you go to your local craft store, um, see what you can do with those. Uh, even if you have an old, an old bracelet or an old necklace uh, that you're not wearing anymore, you can repurpose it. Use those beads, use, use that wire even too to see what you can sort of make into something new. Yeah. So you basically, I would say, if you wanted to get started on this, just get some copper wire, get some pliers. You might have pliers at home already uh, in your toolbox that you can just sort of play around with and see if it's something that you enjoy. Uh, there's definitely like a repetitive nature to working with metal and making jewelry and if you're someone who likes to like sit down in front of the tv and sort of like zone out and just do something with your hands jewelry is is great for that especially wire wrapping because you don't have to always look very carefully at what you're doing mm -hmm. um you can do it sort of by feel and by route wrote yep. <laughs> words are hard <laughs> uh, so <laughs> you can yeah, so it's just something that absolutely give it a go. There's nothing to lose. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You you and don't know unless you try. Yeah, exactly. And you can just go out if you find like a rock in your yard, or if you find something at the beach. I mean, clean your seashells first, please. Feel <laughs> them. They do, they do smell otherwise, yeah. but um. If you just find something, I mean, like, it makes great gifts, right? Yeah. So if you just want to, even if you're using cord, you can totally just use cord and, and learn some simple knots, and you can make all sorts of jewelry for yourself and your friends and family. Cool. Sounds good. So so where's the best place for people to find you online? So they can go to my website, www.murdochsmethod.com. Mm -hmm. Uh that's with a ch because that's the proper way to spell Murdoch. Yes. Uh, uh, did you hold on real quick? Do you guys know you have a Murdoch University in Australia? Yes. Yes. I was so tempted to study abroad there because I was like, <laughs> it's my, it's like it's my school. Um, I, uh, I, I didn't end up going. No. Um, I went. No, it's a controversial name in this country, actually. Um. <laughs> 
because of Rupert Murdoch. Yes, and correct. it was terrible. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not related, I promise. There's Good. absolutely no relation. There's no way you can um, be. You're too nice for it. Like, there's just no way. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely not. I actually, uh, okay, other, other story. I went to, I did study abroad in England. I went to Oxford. And there was... Uh, the same, the same dreaded Murdoch. Mm-hmm. Is this too political? Is this too political? No, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, <laughs> the same. I guess he's less controversial here in America because most Americans don't know who yeah. he is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he went to he went to the college that I went to at Oxford, and there was a room in the library named after him, and and so people knew the name, and and they would just assume that I was related. I was like. I would open my mouth though. They would hear I was American. They're like, "Oh, clearly not related." Uh, so, <laughs> so you know, they. But it was sort of contentious. Yes, um, I liked it in Murdoch because of the A team and because of Daredevil, albeit that is spelled CK. But it's <laughs> phonetically the same. Anyway, so you can go to my website www.murdochsmethod.com. Not at all related with Rupert Murdoch. He has nothing to do with my website or my media. Uh, you can also <laughs> you can also check out my Instagram at murdoch.method. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are the two places that I am. Fabulous. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I know because having having looked at both your website and your Instagram, you'll be tempted, guys. You'll head to a store, and there's lots of lots of really cool stuff. So <laughs> just just a fair warning now. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. I still haven't, uh, I was telling Kim earlier, I haven't figured out international shipping yet. Um, and shipping's kind of weird here right now. USPS yeah. is, there's a whole thing going on. If you don't know yeah, about no, it, it's a whole thing. Yeah, I follow it enough <laughs> to know. Yeah, yes. Okay. So, uh, so currently don't do international, but am looking into it. Beautiful. So, correct. Yeah. Well, thank you, Murdoch, so much for your time. Is there anything else you'd like to add that you think we haven't yet covered or? I think, you know, this has been great. And I've really enjoyed talking about this. I listen to podcasts exclusively when I work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's great because I also listen to audiobooks, I should say. I don't have, I don't have the attention span to read anymore. Yep. Um, I'm very, I'm very uncultured, but I do consume a lot audibly. So I think it's amazing that there are podcasts about art that people who are doing art can listen to so i think that's so exciting yeah it's fabulous i love it too yeah well thank you yes of course thank you so much this has been so fun and so exciting and you should go out and try to make some jewelry it's it's great